Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is a transformative time for black America. Our income is at an all-time high and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. Hi, this is Leslie Frazier, and this is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I'm Peanut Tillman, and with me, as always, the Deacon. Roman Harper. Thank you. Thank Welcome you. Man. I appreciate What's up? That. I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? Um, sure. I, I love the energy that you're bringing today. I'm, a lot of energy. I, yeah, a lot of energy. I'm actually confused. <laughs> I won't say our our guest's name yet, but he always calls me some kind of random name. And it, and so now that he's just being normal, I appreciate it. So thank you for being normal out here in the L.A. studios, the, uh, the NFL studios. This is a beautiful place. Dude. Yes, it is. I, whoever built this was on top of it. I, I I actually think that they have spent over a million dollars in chairs alone <laughs> in this building. Chairs are nice. My back feels good. Laura Lombard. It's there it is. All right. So, all right, before we get in, all the way dive into it, here we go. So let's tell all of our listeners and the people that follow us on the podcast, continue to do that. Also, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Give us a rating, a review, five stars, that is. And wherever you pick up your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio app, wherever you do tune in, please continue to do that and bring somebody else with you. Peanut, who's our guest today? All right. Today's guest was drafted in the second round by the Buffalo Bills in the 94 draft, played five seasons <laughs> for five different teams as a DB, the best position on the field, and no a question. kick returner. Um, after playing in NFL, he was a scout for a number of teams, and now he has an obscene amount of jobs, and we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I want to introduce y'all to Bucky Brooks. Welcome to the show. Welcome what's to the up, pod. man? To the- My guys. Yeah, like, what's like, going like on? Life comes... Life comes full circle because I just remember in meeting rooms having to do reports and talk about you guys as a cross checker when you guys were in your respective schools and coming out and trying to make your way into the league. And now here I am. You guys became great NFL players, and now we're kind of sharing a sharing a mic today. All right, so all right, what that's, that's I want to oh go ahead. Do you want, can can I know what my scouting yeah? Because I want was I was I red was dot I, yeah. a green dot. <laughs> I want to. I want to know. know. So unfortunately, like for both of you guys, you weren't in my area oh. when, you, when you came out. Your draft year, what year was it? I'm uh, 03. So 03. So I was still working with the Carolina. Not I was working with the Seattle Seahawks, and the guy who was in 
your area, John Peterson. Boy, he loves some peanut, man. Oh, my God. All he talked about was this guy, peanut. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. He's big. He's long. He played corn. He played safety. All oh, these other things. Da, 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 da. And so your year, Roman, was when? 2005, Yeah. Okay, so. I got drafted in 06. Okay, so we had. We were in Alabama, so. We had mutual friends because you were with, like, Bill Johnson, Pat yep. Didek. Yep. Bill Johnson is, like, one of my closest friends. So, oh, yeah. That's so I knew. Like even before scouting you, I knew who you were because Bill and I go way, way, way back to oh, that's I was awesome. in Jacksonville or whatever. That. And so, like, it's funny because both of you guys have similar traits in terms of it was always high IQ, known for the game, behind the scenes, the study habits were good. It was all about like the preparation process or whatever. And so you had prototypical size for the corner because at the time, any corner that was over five, ten and a half was considered a big corner back then in the league. Huge. So everyone <laughs> talked about that. At safety, it was about the game was changing where we were losing some of the distinction between free and strong and could you do both and could you in a quarter system play down but could you also play high? And so having all those things and then because of my experience going from being a wide receiver to a DB, I always pay close attention to DBs. And, like, you find yourself when you're scouting, you're not supposed to look at all the techniques and tools. But you're like, oh, okay, could I play with these guys? Right. Because that always, to me, is the, the last question. Could I line up in the huddle? Would I want those guys to be in the huddle with me? And so I remember both of you guys very, very well about Look at that. In the huddle. Well, here, I got a personal question. Mm. It's because, you know, I'm going to call you Bucky. Yeah, that's it. But – how many people do you actually allow to call your real government name, though? Oh, no one. No, nobody. Nobody. Like, well, like I know you don't know me. If you call me by my government name, I know you don't know. And like, right. like people gonna be up here. Like, I'll tell it because my 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 real name is William Eldridge Brooks Jr. So, but you guys know. I'm from the South. Yeah. And so when you're South, everyone has a nickname because my cousins and them, William Eldridge, with la different last names. And so ah. everybody had a nickname. So I got cousins and all that or whatever. <laughs> my dad is never going by his real name. He goes by Blake. I go by that. My son's name is Trey because he's the third. But that's... That's what that's that's what it is. <laughs> oh, I'm familiar with it. Hey, I'm I'm Peanut. That. My older brother, his name's Duck. I'm from a, my dad, little Donald. My mom's her name Tiny. Like we just come from a house of nicknames. So hey, I feel you on that. Like I I get it. I gets it. Hey, I I I get the whole government thing, man. So uh, what I really want to know is, you are a very busy man, mm. and what I mean by that is you. You have a couple of podcasts. You are an uh, analyst for NFL Network. You host Move the Sticks podcast. You do some stuff uh, for Fox. How many jobs Ooh. do you – oh, I, I even believe you're a coach. Oh, yeah, high school. So, yeah, it's a high school coach. Well. One, two, three, four. Oh, we don't turn down anything. Okay. So <laughs> we don't turn down anything. I like it, it. I like it, though. If, 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 if they're paying, I'm playing. Explain, like, like, explain, to, explain to the viewers how many jobs you have. Um, like, it, it, it varies. So the, so, so the main hub is, like, obviously, NFL media is, is the main gig. I yeah. do radio on Fox. Uh, I contribute to some other platforms as a writer and those things. But, like, that's kind of the way of the new world. Like, yeah. uh, when I originally entered the media world, um, God, 2007, it was about trying to find one spot and you you did it. But now you've seen, like, you have to be able to do more to kind of mm -hmm. piece it together. And exclusivity is kind of a thing of the past yeah. when it comes to being able. So now you want to be able to contribute and do a bunch of different things. And, look, as vast as your imagination is, that's where your opportunities can be. And so for me, because I wasn't a decorated player, 
I knew I had to have something that would create opportunities for me. So uh, one, as a scout, but two, as a writer, like taking the writing path to kind of get into the media world provided more opportunities. And so I always say the writing is the foundation, the TV and the podcast and radio. If you can write, you can do those other things because it all is kind of interwoven. Were you always a, a really good writer or did you always just read uh, a lot? No, nah, like you, you imagine. OK, so like imagine when we go to college, right? You know, when you go to college and like they take they give you like the. uh exams in the middle of training camp, right? Like where the, they, at North Carolina, they did the placement exams in the middle of two a days. So like, hey, this is your English, this is your that. So I was in like bad English because no. I was like just trying yeah. to get through. The beginner English. Yes. And so it was, it was funny that I came to write because it wasn't something that I would say I really focused on coming up. But right. then what happens is I had a great appreciation for people who can express with the power of the pen. Mm-hmm. And then... Because one of the most vulnerable things you do, like all of us, like as players, we kind of have these journals that we keep, right? Yeah. So imagine if I grabbed your journal from the middle of your New Orleans Saints days. Yeah. When you may be like struggling in camp and you're like, I don't know what is going. So to me, it's like the most personal, intimate thing that you can share is letting someone kind of see your words on the page. And so I just fell in love with that process and being able to think a little differently. And so it kind of worked out. That is awesome. I, I, I didn't think... Like the whole journey and using the power of the pen is amazing to hear like a former football player talk about it and use those skills, especially not trying to knock it. Chapel Hill is a highly regarded institution as far as education is the best public you ever. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I I hear about it all the time. (laughs) He he (laughs) going to somehow throw Alabama in there. I I don't have to talk about Alabama. I mean, if we want to talk about sports, it's not even close. But as far as education, that's all you hear about is Chapel Hill. We talk about football. We talk about sports. Now you got to come see us. We got all of that stuff. You do. You do. Football is a little behind. (laughs) In fact, my my senior year, We lost to Alabama in the bowl game because that was uh, Sherman Williams. Oh, yeah. Sherman Sam, Shade. Yeah. Sam Sherman. Shade and all those guys. Yeah. Like, uh, we played him in the Gator Bowl. Was that, that, not a, man, throwback. All right. So Big all these jobs, all these things. So when do you find time to sleep? Like what, what is all, a typical kind of, week for Bucky kind of, Brooks? It all kind of works together. Or you so, don't sleep because I'm a guy. I can do all right with like four or five. I can, I can do all right with a little bit. Yeah. But uh, it all works together. So during the season – it's not as heavy for me when it comes to NFL Network and TV stuff. Like podcast three times a week. Uh, I may occasionally pop on a show like Total Access or something like that. But primarily, it's just podcasting and then writing. I'll write a couple times a week. That's when high school football is heavy in. Head coach of a, of a school there. So we practice before school. So we practice at 6 a.m. We go from like 6 to 7.20. We on that NFL quick practice in and out. We yeah. get in and out. Fast Friday. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we do fast Friday every day. Yeah. Um, and we get in and out. And then I go about my day. Like the podcast to be whatever. And some days are heavy with stuff and that. But when it gets to the spring, high school football is done. But then that's when it's the draft and focusing on that path to the draft. Yeah. Like the main show that I'm on, that comes on. And so it just kind of, it fluctuates, but it's always busy. We're busy in a different Are you, are you studying right. college players Throughout the season, like how does that process go, and when are you starting to really dive into that? Because that's that's where the that's where your bread is. I mean, butter. bread yeah, is butter. That's, that, that's, for that's sure. Because that, that's the background. So the background is like I was a college scout, so I would go and and look at college players, and then we rank them and draft them and evaluate and put them on the board for the draft and those things. Uh, for me, you're always paying attention to the college game. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I do work, I do sideline work for the Jacksonville Jaguars radio, and so when I'm on the road on a Saturday night, like you pop in. 
TV, you see what's going on, but you also have your tape available. And then as it gets closer to the end of the season, when you begin to get the names, you begin to hear from your scouting buddies who are in the league, hey, here are the names that you need to watch. Mm. And then you begin to like kind of really do a deep dive into this is these are the guys that we really need to know. And you you see, because you guys do it in the media world, like you kind of play the hits. Like you're talking about yeah. the top guys. Every now and then on TV, you'll get into an obscure, hey, this is a late round little gym nugget. But most of the time we're talking about the top guys. And so sometimes saying now you can TV scout, but then you follow it up with real yeah. film work, film scouting. Okay. Now being as busy as you are and all the jobs that you have, I know when you are a coach, you have this responsibility to teach young men about life, the game itself, but you teach them about life. You're teaching them about hard work, teamwork, how to grind, how to work together, how to overcome uh, uh, obstacles, failures and, and, and whatnot. What's really been the most gratifying job for you out of all the ones that we just uh, mentioned? Well, all of them are, are gratifying in a different way, but I would say high school because yeah. you guys know, like there's always been a coach that's somewhere along the line mm. that touched you in a different way. For sure, Either yeah. Either change your path or he gave you the confidence <laughs> that, you, hey, man, no, you can do this. Yep. And so for me, high school gives me the opportunity to do that. I coach at a public school uh, up in the northern part of L.A., and it's, it's just great to like see all these dudes right because like I don't care what anyone says like there's nothing that is like playing there's no replicating like running through the tunnel feeling all that 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 gladiator mentality the only thing to me that's close to that is coaching and I can't do it anymore but I can live through watching them do so if we're talking about we're team to play a lot of man to man but we're like hey man look if they get in this bunch we're gonna banjo it and you go he's he's going to throw it and it just don't blow the layup and when they do it you come out of your shoes just like you would as a player if we're teammates and you get a pick six and we meet in the end zone so to me those things are great and yeah when they when they do great things and you tell them like that's great that you're doing all your stuff on the field but now let's take care of this stuff off the field because how you do anything is how you do everything and you give them Mm -hmm. those little things that coaches have poured into you and then you see them take it and then I think the thing and it happens with our kids or whatever when you hear them say stuff that you said to them to their teammates Mm. like little guys that come in like no man you gotta take care of the details and all that other stuff that's when you got them okay yeah Yeah, that, that part to me it's fun, like, watching them grow. And I've been on the camp circuit for a long time, like, working with Nike camps and all that and seeing Derwin James and Jamal Adams and all these guys come through and watching them when they're teenagers. Yeah. And now I see them as pros. Right, but they see you and they're like, Coach Bucky! And you're <laughs> like, so to me, it's just like paying it forward. And so the game is such a great game. That's one of the things. You can take all the things that you learn from playing yeah. in between the lines on the grass and you give it to young people and then they can take it and use it in a bunch of different ways. You know, I think it's so interesting you say that because my dad was a high school coach and he coached me uh, my first couple years in high school. And I used to ask him like, Dad, why do you coach? Like, these kids can't do this. You're yelling. All, like, you're up here for all these hours. Like, why? And it was the same example that you just gave. You're like, it's something to be said. When you have a guy walk in here as a freshman, can't, can't even, can barely tie his shoes. Yeah. Put his pads on backwards. And you look up two or three years later and he's playing like I have shaped this kid into a player and I can trust him to like not mess it up he's gonna be able to tackle somebody and you get excited for these things and so that's the real joy of coaching high school football that I don't think anybody really understands no until you do it yeah so that to me that was always 
that was always the level I always wanted to be at. Right. I didn't have aspirations to coach like a higher level because in high school, most high schools, unless you're at a private high school, I mean, you coach, you coach up who shows up. Mm-hmm. True. And so, and so like when they come through the door, you're like, Ooh, we don't have a quarterback. <laughs> so you know what we're going to do? We're going to jump in this single wing thing and try and figure it out or whatever it is. Like, and so, oh man, they, they really don't understand how to play zone. So you know what we're going to do? Hey man, that's your man. That cat is your cat. Wherever he goes, you go. You go. Like and so you you like to me that's the beauty of high school ball. Like you just you you never know what it's going to look like and then you try and figure out, "All right guys, like this is what we got. We have one defensive end and you know, so to me that's that's the beauty of high school and that's why I have so much respect for high school. And and also to to attest to that your past year, you went guys went to the championship. <laughs> your first two completions all year long, we're in the championship game. You guys rushed for 5,400 yards and 70 touchdowns and didn't throw the ball all year long. So the single wing, which oh. nobody can defend, obviously. I think that's a benefit to you, though, in a testament that he – you're such like, you know what, we're going to do whatever works. It is. so, And you're not just stuck in your ways because you hadn't been coaching for 35 years. No, so here's what's funny, and it, it goes back to when I was working with the Carolina Panthers. You can look this up. It's, it's really funny. So – we had to play against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh-huh. Starting quarterback Jake DeLome is out. Chris Winkie is the quarterback. Mm. I don't know if John Fox had a lot of confidence in Chris Winkie. <laughs> so we lined up with D'Angelo Williams and Deshaun Foster and yeah. played the Wildcat the entire game. <laughs> they threw six passes. I think we threw six passes and one. Both of the dudes went over. So then I was like, oh, well, you know what? Like sometimes you just, whatever you do, you do whatever you got to do yeah. and get out of it. But those are the things that you do. And in high school, like you have to like just take what you're given and kind of figure out a way to make it work. I, I love that. I do too. <laughs> I, did. I don't think we had that in Texas. We always had some some good talent coming through them doors at Copper's Cove. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today 
at prudential.com slash blueprints. So tell me, all right, so what's the transition like being from, all right, you were in the scouting world. Now you're on the opposite side of it, covering it as an analyst. Um, how have the relationships of the people that you worked with, has that changed? Or has it been kind of remained the same? Or do they respect you the same? Like, because you, you got to tell it honestly. Or you, it, wouldn't, you wouldn't keep the job that you had. And you wouldn't, well, I mean, well, you're honest. Well, like you guys know, because I've seen both of you guys on TV. So y'all know, like, when you come off the set and all of a sudden your phone is buzzing. Because <laughs> when you put, like, man, what you, like, yeah. dude, like, come on now. You know I got to play TV. So, like, so like I got to sell it. And I got to sell it in a major way. But it's actually been great because what happens is your boys, your guys who are, like, you're really, like, that you're down with. Mm-hmm. They'll call you. They'll give you the information. Yeah, you that's like, very true. Here's what's going very on. True. This and that. Because they want you to look good. And they beam when they see you yeah. on TV. Because they're like, hey, man, hey, let me look at you. All up here fancy and all that. <laughs> but, but they dig it. They actually are prideful when they see you do your thing. Because you know what the locker room is like. Like, oh, yeah. really, at its core, we really care about it. Even though the pros are kind of weird because, like, we're all kind of independent contractors. When you're on great teams. You really still have that same camaraderie from no doubt. Little League and high school or whatever. Where like, man, it's about your boy getting off and we all, we do well as a group. Everyone gets off. So for me, the relationships have been the same. And what I always try to do is, if I do have to criticize, I always try and make it where it's not. It's not personal. Like right, here's, here's right. what we're talking about. We're talking about a decision that was made. We're talking about a player that was picked and those things. And you try to like have a critical eye like, hey, well, maybe they're thinking this and those things. And for me, it is work because most of the guys, even if they don't agree with like my opinion, they can be like, oh, okay, I get that. It's just when, if you go sideways, and I've never been like a hot take artist, right? but if you go sideways where you're trying to embellish it and blow it up, that's when you're like, come on, man, what are we doing? Yeah. But most of the time people can respect it and they're like, oh, okay, I get that. Now, when you got out, you got right in the, into the scouting. Now, why do you do scouting versus coaching? Well, I did. I just, <laughs> it's funny because... I bounced around so much as a player yeah. that I didn't want to kind of have that life mm-hmm. as a coach. Because we see uh, yeah, we, that's very we've, seen it. we've all been coached by yeah. guys that, man, they got different logos on every year. Well, they say if, long, if you're a coach, it's it's not about, like, if, it's when you're going to get fired. Right. So so imagine, like, I mean, we all have kids. Like, mm-hmm. like imagine you don't want to take your kids, like, every two years, bounce them around or whatever. So for me, I was like, all right, like, the scouting thing at the time was supposed to be the more stable Right environment of that. So you're still close to the game in a different way than coaching. Now, there's still nothing like coaching than playing are like the two things because you get, look, there's a scoreboard. Right. When you're scouting, you don't have the same scoreboard. Like you can talk about the draft, but you don't see it until like two, three years. And so the hard thing for me as a scout was you didn't have a direct impact on the game each Sunday. Uh, So you're watching the game, mm -hmm. but it's not like a, a decision that you made as a coach either wins or loses, or as a player, how you played. As a scout, you're sitting back and you're thinking about the long view. And so I missed that part of yeah. the competition, that, which, part which of is it. why when I had an opportunity and I and I moved over to media, I was like, well, I, I got to coach. Now I got to get that. I got to s- scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. And coaching high school did that. But like that part of it. But for me, I was still trying to squeeze out one more year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to squeeze out, like, man, if I could just get one. And so I called one of my boys who was a he was he was working with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was like, Yeah, no, nah, I ain't got nothing for you as a player, but there may be a job that opens up as a scout. And so I was prepping to get ready for okay. an interview there. Called another one of my guys, and he had just got a gig in Seattle. He's like, Why don't you come up here and interview? I went up there and interview and never left. You know, okay. so that's mm-hmm. that's how I played out. But the same thing, those 
those relationships and as a player, because I'm sure you guys did it as players, you let people know what you would like that transition to be for you after football is done. Because I'm sure coaches or people around came, hey, man, what do you want to do when football yeah. is over? Yeah. Hey, man, I want coach. I'm going to do this. I'm a scout. And so I let people know what my intentions were. Mm-hmm. And then it just so happened that I got opportunity. So you got, go ahead. No, no, I, I guess. I, I'm I, like something just hit my, yeah. my brain. I got to. I guess my I question. Forget, I, I'll write it down. I, another question that I have is, uh, so Chris Ballard was my scout. Yeah. And I brag on Chris Ballard every time because we talk, we're good friends. And he was like, man, I'll fault Jerry Angelo tooth and nail to take you second round. I know you didn't have the name, but I was like, I'm telling you, Peanut or Charles Tillman, he's going to be the guy, blah, 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 blah. Has there been a player that you scouted in college that you were just like, nope, this is the guy. He can be X, Y, and Z. He will be a great player. Is there a guy in your, when you were scouting, I think we, we all have guys that we love. Sometimes you're not in a position to take the player that you want for that team, but there are certain guys that you like gravitate towards. So I remember watching Steve Smith, who works with us here, but I remember watching him at Utah, and I w- remember watching him in the all-star game circuit that we that guys do like after their senior year. <clears throat> like, this dude was dominant the hula ball. He was killing it at the East West. Like, so you're just like, man, this dude is like a dude. But he wasn't the prototypical size at the time because, like, look, he's five nine. He may list five ten, but he was—he's five, five nine. nine. He, he admits, right, it. Right. He admits it now. He admits <laughs> like, it now. Openly, like, so he, he's yeah, five nine. Like he was five nine, and he was a returner. And so sometimes that can be a hard sell to say that, hey, man, this dude is a returner, but like he can be a wide out too. So watching him, and then when I left Seattle to go there and watch him grow from being a Pro Bowl kick returner as a rookie to then being a guy that won the Triple Crown and become a multiple-time Pro Bowl player and yeah. wide receiver. Those are the things that you're like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, that's it's great to watch him progress. No one could predict that he would be what he became, a Hall of Fame caliber wideout. Mm-hmm. But to see him go from that and to be able to like, yeah, I thought he could do some of that. I didn't think he could do all of that. That stuff is kind of cool. Well, the, the Peanut, now I literally wrote just about that same question down that you <laughs> just asked him. I want to know from the other side was like, Early on in your scouting career, did you ever like, were you almost overconfident in some things knowing that you had just come from playing? Were you overconfident with like, man, I know this. And all of a sudden I was wrong. And I was like, man, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board on some of my thought processes about it. So it's funny because what happens is as a player, and and you'll see this like as you're around teams and and, and those things, because I know you guys are around teams. Um sometimes there's not a lot of former players in the scouting department Mm -hmm. and there can be a different rub because sometimes as players, we may fall into these stereotypes, right? Right. Players are coddled players. I don't know if they can do the grind on them to get on it, this and that, even though I always felt like, well, being a player, like that gives me a leg up because I kind of know what that thing is. And I felt like I would give prospects more grace just because I knew how hard the game is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. no, yeah. No, nah, man, that, like that, that's a hard play, coach. Like, that's a like that's hard. You acting like that's it's normal. Down. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a hard play. They coming down the stream. My man ain't got a reroute on number on number one. I'm on the hash. He's two way go. Two's <laughs> coming right at me. What am I doing? They fit it in the honey hole, and you're mad at me because I can't get over there. Like being able to understand that part of it. Um, yeah, and I think what happens is because you come off the field, you may feel like you know it. And you should always feel good about it, but you also have to put the study behind that stuff. But I think the advantage that you have, we all play with great players. Right. So, for instance, I think in my past 
I'm now up to like maybe 17 Hall of Fame teammates, right? Mm. So I, when I look at players, I begin to compare them to the players that I play with. So for instance, I play with Bruce Smith, Derek Thomas, Reggie White. So when I'm evaluating pass rushers and people are talking about, hey, man, this guy's I'm like, hey, man, oh, look, I, <laughs> these, these three dudes here are like the top of the list yeah. when it comes to sacks. So I'm looking at Derek Thomas's get off compared to his. I'm thinking about Reggie White's ability to turn uh, speed into power. I'm mm-hmm. looking at Bruce Smith, his savvy and his overall dominance. Do I feel that? You know, do I see that in yeah. these players? And so you, I played with Charles Woodson when he was a, a rookie. In, in Oakland. And so you begin to take all those things, all your experiences, and you begin to compare and contrast what the greats look like compared to somebody that you're evaluating. So I think to me, it gave me a leg up. So uh, what have you learned in the game as far as, you know, you, you talked about all these 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 uh, players that you've played with, uh, some good coaches that you, you played for. What's been one of the best lessons that you've learned with, with all of the players and coaches? So I think I think from every coach that you play with, you learn different things. So every coach that I play with is either in the Hall of Fame or a Super Bowl champion. And the one exception is Marty Schottenheimer, who won 200 games. Mm. So Marv Levy is in the Hall of Fame. Mike Holmgren will be or should be. Mike Holmgren, Tom, Tom, Tom Coughlin, John Gruden. So all these guys learn great things. And so what I learned is they all went about their different their business in different ways. But they all kind of came back to the same thing. Man, it's all about the preparation. Mm-hmm. And it's about ultimately, do you perform when the lights come on? Mm. Like, we can talk about all of it. But at the end of the day, you got to prepare. But when the lights come on, you got to show up. Yeah. And and that's just what it is. And it's the same thing when it comes to, like, doing TV, when in writing or whatever. How much you pour into the preparation process will give you the best opportunity to perform at a high level. Yeah, and so, but it only gives you opportunity. Yeah, you still got to you still got to make the play. You still got to go out there you and still, do it. You still got to make the play. And so, to me, that's what it is, and that's what you try and tell young people. Hey, man, do all the work and do it. But I always feel like the one thing, if I could go back as a player, I might have been scared to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so, what I would always encourage people, man, take the shot. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there are times where. Yeah. And I go back and I always say this, like, we were playing the San Francisco 49ers in a preseason game. But I studied the tape. And every time Jerry Rice lined up at the top of the numbers when the ball was there, it was 100% a speed out. And so we get there and I'm like, man, there's the tail. He's right there. The ball's right there. Like, <laughs> it's like, all, like, it's, like, it's just it's, it's like, but too, then you like, like, do I, do I go? It's, it's like, Jerry Rice. Right? It's do, Jerry do I go? Rice. So then you don't go, but you're like, that's the play. <laughs> but then I played with guys because in college, Dre Black came right behind me. Yeah. Dre, Dre jumped Black, everything. He's going. Like, if, <laughs> he, if he looks over there, he's going. And I was like, I would tell, I was like, don't oh, I'm, I'm gone. And so, no it's, safety help. It doesn't so, matter. But so, that was Dre. And so, That's Dre. And so, that is the thing. And so, I tell people, but if you do all that and you trust it, you go with, go it. with it. And as a coach, I always said, I want to give you the freedom to do it. So I'm not going to jump you. Like, that's why we talk about having a mentor and having that right coach. Because the right coach will tell you. Read your instincts. Yeah, trust your I got keys. you. Yeah. Trust your keys. And then, because you're safe and you're a corner, we know the inner game is that I'm going to look at, hey. Uh, he gone. I'm gone. So, hey. <laughs> be, be but, see, but, that's, yeah. but, that's, but that's the thing where in the fraternity, you know that yes. that's how we play. When someone gets a play, it's because like, hey, man, I'm, I'm hey. 
cover me. I'm <laughs> going. <laughs> give me that's a little bit the, of extra help. That's the communication all the time. I feel like you did that with Jano, our our uh the whole time. Because I was with Jano on that side. Everything all the time. We changed our whole defense. We went from straight quarters to now we're allowing now we, the corners are allowed to jump anything to the flat. <laughs> I didn't know that. We're, we're over the top all the time. They were like, so it, we're playing read palms. Yeah, without even being read. We're, we're doing palms the whole back half of the season because Jay knows just like he going. And so for, we just, for those for all right. those listening, the, the palm technique is when the, the two goes out in the corner just jumps. In. Yeah. So if to anything out to the flat by the second receiver on that side, the corner's, the corner's gonna jump it. And yeah. now the safety has to go over the top. So I'm covering number two until, until he goes out. Now I'm trying to bust over yeah. before there's a big honey hole. So yes. yes, that was it. All right. Out of all those coaches though, you mentioned them. Hall of Fame potential for all of them. If not, if not now, they will be. Which one's the hardest to play for? Okay. Because uh, I apologized to him after I played for him. So Tom <laughs> Coughlin. Yeah. So Tom Coughlin. You apologized. I apologized. Because Tom Coughlin was tough. He was tough. So, Old so, school. When, so when I go to Jacksonville, so you got to understand, I go from playing with the Green Bay Packers. We had come off of a Super Bowl appearance, and they were going right back. To now I go to Jacksonville, who's like in their second year as an expansion franchise. In Green Bay, like, they're winning. He comes from San Francisco, so everything, not only is first class, but it's like, it's like vet central. Meaning, like, now I'm a young player, but it's, hey, 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 we ain't putting them pads on. Yeah, slow down. We're, 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 slow down. Oh, we ain't dressing up, going <laughs> on the road. Like, hey, it's, we just going in to play, do our thing. <laughs> Jacksonville, you walk in the door. Hey, man, this concentration line, we go on the thing. You got a button. Everything up. Being up. When I mean button up, when you go walk out the door to go to the practice field, when you're on the practice field, your helmet had to be buttoned up at all times. Mm. Your socks had to be up. Everybody had to have on the same shorts. We're doing this. He's looking. If you got those little ankle socks, he's like, those aren't issued. Fine. <laughs> you go on the you go what? on. Oh, oh you school. go. Yeah. You go on the road. When we, so we're in the hotel. So we in the hotel, like, oh, look, okay, we'll be suited and booted on the plane. I can look, relax. Look, we got sweat. Oh, if you're out the hotel room, you got to have on khakis and hard bottom shoes <laughs> and a collar shirt. The so, slap is. So, so, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, And what year what, is this for you? This, this is year three or four. Okay. But I'm sitting there like, what are we doing? And. When I first got it, we getting drummed. I'm like, we doing yeah, this? this we're not even winning. This <laughs> is not even equating to win. <laughs> so, so we do. We go to the playoffs or whatever. So years later, I finished and I started coaching high school. Uh-huh. Mm. And so the high school I went to, all these dudes would come out for workouts and they got on different colors. You got on green. The school colors are blue and gold. You got on green. You got on red. Didn't look like a team. No. <laughs> Don't look like a team. So then I see Coughlin at the combine. I said, coach, I got it now. <laughs> get it. I get why you did all that because it was driving me crazy. But he was the one that was the hardest to play for because he had all these rules. And I was like, oh, these rules these rules make sense. Yeah. But he was a great coach and he figured it out for real when he got to New York because all those things, you got people there that swear by him. They swear by him and the tough love yeah. and all that other stuff. For me, I was a little immature. I couldn't figure it all the way out until later I had a greater appreciation for A, Dot the I's, cross the T's. This is how we do all this stuff, standing across the board. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend of mine that actually had him at Boston College when he was in college. He was like, dude, the dude was tough. Like, like got to be there five minutes early. Like, it was like, – We I've, do that. I've heard, like, I've heard, that. Yeah. He was like, he was like that, you yeah. know, 
my, my family had an accident. He was like, Coach, I don't know if I might be a little bit late. He was like, late? Like, won't be here. It's like, <laughs> like no excuses. And so it, it, it just kind of – it, some people don't ever change, and you know, and he's actually thankful for him now. Yeah, like because, some of the things, it, like is that. So the funny thing is, you'll have yeah, the high school they know. Five minutes or hey, if, if, yeah, like if, if so, if the meeting don't time, start at eleven. It really started ten fifty five. So my thing was always that, coach. Well, if you want the meeting to start at six fifty five, just tell me six fifty five. Don't it. tell me seven o'clock. <laughs> but you want me at six fifty five? Like, just tell me the time. And I get the same complaints from the kids. I'm like, and hey, nah, we start. At five fifty-five, like you know yeah, what it is. Yeah. So you've you've had successful, you know, media. You killing it right now. The scouting. Um, His team's killing it too. Went to the championship school, last year. Killing it uh, with the with the offense. Mount Rushmore. Who mm. would you put mm. on that personal Mount Rushmore of mentors, coaches, great teammates? Uh, Ooh. The Lord, Mom, Dad. Just, I mean, Ooh. it's totally, it's totally. Mount Rushmore. Okay, yeah. So first person on Mount Rushmore would be my dad. Yeah. So my dad is a fire, was retired firefighter, but he also was a coach. He coached Dexter Lawrence in high school. He was his D-line coach. They won, I think, 45 games in a row after mm. Dex, but they, they won a state title. So I get him on, he's on my head every day about coaching. What are yeah. y'all doing? How you doing? Or whatever. So he goes, he so goes coaches there. in your blood. Yeah. So he, he goes there. Mac Brown, my college coach, goes there because from Coach Brown, I learned the art of how you treat people. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want people to play at a first-class level, you got to treat them. He, like first class. Class. Uh, hands off to Mac Brown. Amazing human being. I mean, this dude could sell water in the I middle mean, of the ocean. Un- unbelievable. Dude, unbelievable. Awesome. Unbelievable communicator. Yes. Like, peanut, if he met you, he would meet you five years down from there, he would know yes, what that good. first conversation would yes. be. Yeah, like. he's that and, good. And it's a gift that he has. So he was, he was always that. I would say um, – from a, a player, the guy who helped me the most, James Hasty was an all-pro corner, corner in Kansas yeah. City when I was yeah. there. And so when I got there, I'm still learning how to play corner. And what he did for me was he held me to a higher standard than I had ever been held to by a, for, a player. Because in Kansas City, under Martin Schottenheimer, it was a players-driven team. Mm. And so if you, you two guys in the secondary, if I'm the, the dime and I come in there and y'all don't really like how I get down, Y'all would send me out, and the coaches would respond. So that's how that was. So Hasty said, no, nah, here's what you're going to do. You can come here on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. I'm going to come in at 9 o'clock. By 9 o'clock, you're going to have a report written on the number one receiver that we're playing. But what he did is he was teaching me how to prep and get ready yeah. to play. And so James Hasty would be there. And then I would say, like, the last guy, like, in terms of, like, a personal mentor would be Charles Davis. Mm-hmm. So Charles Davis, for me, in broadcasting – has been everything. And He's so good. In terms of learning how to prepare, learning how to do basic mechanics of like TV. Hey, when do you look at the camera? When don't you look at the camera? When do you engage and all that? Call him about anything when it comes to the business. Yeah. Because he is he's like water. Oh, he can do anything. He can call golf. He can call baseball. He can call football. Like he, he's, he's your lifeline. If you're on a trivia show and you need something, who knows random facts? CD has always been that guy. He's well, you know he's good. He was on Madden. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's my guy yeah so CD's yeah. my guy yeah. well hey Buggy we appreciate you coming down we got like a thousand more questions but you got 72 jobs and we know you busy man hey I just gotta go you. to work man gotta go to work man yeah, come yeah. on man you know so, how that is hey, I appreciate you guys appreciate you. bring me up it's been great, great thanks man we appreciate it man thank you so much man all of our followers and listeners out there man continue to do that man we'll continue to bring you great guests like my man Bucky Books right here and uh, thank you so much give us a rating a review Wherever you pick up your podcast at, whether it's Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio, 
please give us a listen. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Peanut, tell them what we're doing, baby. We out of here. Hey, I'm Peanut. That's Rome. That's Bucky. This is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast from the L.A. studios. And we out. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.